When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for the Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time, the first Stop Hammer Time of the 2022-2023 season. Uh, through sheer ineptitude, um, we've uh, this is our first podcast and we've played five games. Uh, so there are five games to discuss uh, on this podcast. We'll be giving each game uh, 40 seconds of uh, granular discussion. Uh, with me to discuss these games are, as always, Jim Grant. Good evening. Hello, Jim. Everything all right? Hi. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Now, you've just watched the second leg of the Viborg game. Yes, I have. Yeah. I didn't see it at all, but I know what the score is. Uh, so there's no worry about spoilers. Able to dis- we'll be able to discuss the game on the <laughs> podcast in a full and frank way, not like uh, that episode of The Likely Lads. Yes, uh, right. Also joining us this evening, it is uh, the author of the books uh, An Irrational Hatred of Luton, West Ham Till I Die, The Legacy of Barry Green, An Irrational Hatred of Everything, No Seriously I Hate Everything, My Killing Spree by Rob Banks, and My Life in Prison. It's Rob Banks. Hello, Rob. Everything everything all right? Good evening. Yes. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. I'm, um, yes, everything's tickety-boo. Thank you. Now, 
between us, uh, well, apart from the game that took place in Denmark, we have seen all of the games, but not all together. So uh, we'll have to rely on individual or pairs of uh, so-called expertise when discussing each of those games. We'll probably have to discuss them in broad strokes rather than uh, discussing each one uh, because it will take too long. But first of all, uh, you have literally just watched, uh, Rob, you watched it too, the Viborg game on TV, which we won. Uh, at a canter 3 nil. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I didn't see it, uh, so I watched it on uh, on uh, CFAX or Oracle, and um, <laughs> I thought uh, I like that lineup. I thought I, li- I thought I liked three at the back. Uh, this is quite good because because I'm possibly going to uh, presage things that went horribly wrong by saying what I thought the positives were and uh, being <laughs> we scored three goals because I don't know how any of it happened. I liked uh, that three at the back shape we sort of thought didn't we that possibly a way to keep Cresswell involved if we did buy any sort of um uh left back with with any more pace than a mobility scooter uh would be to employ him on the left of the back three uh equally it was really good to see Angelo Bonner back again uh Kira looks good uh, and I thought it was a very sort of attacking lineup. Uh, I saw Lanzini in there instead of Rice. Um, uh, what looked like um, Benny in a sort of 10 and then Corne and uh, Skamaka up front. Looked uh, very attacking and we scored three goals. What yeah. was it like? Um, very comfortable, really. They were not as impressive as they were at the London Stadium, to be honest. Ah. And um, they had one or two moments, but generally speaking, we... Uh, controlled the game reasonably well and looked threatening um, and, and won it fairly comfortably. Uh, I mean, we still had our shaky moments at the back that I'm sure we'll we'll come on to talk about in more detail in relation to other games. But, um, you know, yeah, it was it was one of those kind of job done sort of things. Yeah. Really. Um, it seemed to me a bit more like it was like a training game almost, or a pre-season friendly. Um, they yeah, it wasn't seem, very uh, intense. They didn't seem to have much belief that they could no. they could hurt us and uh, didn't didn't seem to be trying particularly hard once we scored it was game over wasn't it yeah I mean, absolutely. yeah yeah um, and it was a nice finish the first goal was sort of tucked in by Skamaka at the at the near post from a from a sort of first line cross from Suchek and uh, yeah it was a really tidy finish um, and he showed one two glimpses of um, you know what I'm kind of expecting to see. You know, kind of, kind of um, winning the winning the ball. You know, with his chest, with his head, sort of controlling it and moving it on quickly. Um, yeah. You know that 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 that's what we've got to look for. I think he's still getting used to the fact that in our system he's going to have to play more with his back to goal than he's used to. But um, I think he's got all the chops, Skamaka. I really do. Well, I think we'll probably sort of come to him in a bit more detail in a bit. Um, what did you make of it all, Rob? The goals are, um, are the, the BBC's kind of uh, live text uh, commentary suggested the goals were very nice. Yeah. Um, again, I was relying on a, a stream that wasn't as reliable as, as Jim's by the sound of it. There was a lot of blue circles and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of invitations to look at pictures from Amy and Emily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, so I was a little distracted, but uh, yeah, I think um, it was a good professional performance overall, and we looked in complete control 
and it's even more so than um, I mean there was a period in the first game at the London Stadium where I thought we looked you know after going uh, we went 2-0 up and then sort of handed control of the game we'll probably come on to that later but um, yeah they looked uh, I didn't see the first two goals I only saw the third goal was a little scrappy um, Suchek's goal um, bit of a bit of a scramble in the six yard box but the se- um, second goal was great it was yeah. um, a, a, a high ball that um, Skamaka flipped on sort of level with around the centre circle um, onto Corne who just uh, tucked the ball through for Ben Rama running onto it and he finished well a bit like the, um, the sort of the Boeing goals against Man City at the uh, mm. at the end of last season. So uh, yeah, it was very nice. Um, and you know, Suchek's good at poaching those little rebounds and yeah, the, the scrappy the goals box. are his stock yeah. in trade, really, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I mean at the at the London Stadium, um, you know, one thing we said to each other was that that um, in the group stages of the Europa League, the um, all three of the teams we played um, seemed sort of competent. Um, I think at one point we sort of picked one of them as the best as the best of the three. But in fact, the second time we saw them, because we saw some of those games on TV as well, uh, we decided that another one was in fact the best of the three, which I think sort of meant they were actually all fairly similar in in standard. And I think we thought that about. Viborg at the London Stadium, we sort of thought, yeah, they're they're sort of quite tidy. They, they they've got lots of players that can play. They move the ball quite quickly, confidently, uh, and at, for phases of the game, they were the better team. Mm. But we came out with a three-one win, you know. And yeah, we let them play far too much at the London Stadium. I thought they had they had they had uh, too much time on the ball. Um, well, I thought we made them look you know, uh, a more competent outfit than, than we did tonight. They, we, were, we were in their faces a bit more, um, just pressed a bit better. Um, and as Rob says, I don't think they're, once we'd scored, they, they, they knew it was a lost cause and it did feel, yeah, a less intense game. We should right. have scored more. Corne missed an absolute yeah, sitter. They that. laid onto him uh, on a plate by, and that would have been 4-0. Um, it could have been four or five. It was a very comfortable, comfortable um, win. But, but as I say, you know, just just still that sort of sense that against a better team defensively, we're not quite we're not in the right place at the moment, really. Well, historically. Yeah, this uh, month of August is possibly demonstrating that. We've scored yeah. six goals in Europe and uh, none in the uh, Premier League in three games. Uh, yeah. And uh, so there clearly is a disparity there. And um, I mean, perhaps some of the issues that we did see in the European games uh, are, are there in the domestic league as well. And uh, maybe we can talk a bit about those. Um I mean, the game's, you know, in order. The City game was, um, you know, I I have to say, I, I, I was heading towards the London Stadium after our summer break with a slight feeling of dread because I thought... I don't know. I sort of think that the, the you know the, the 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 high standard of the Premier League and how hard the players work and how hard they train sort of means that... Um, Teams do get, I think, mentally and physically slightly worn out. And it felt we needed 
a signing that that would at least be the equivalent of the loan signing of Jesse Lingard, just a new player to come in, have a real influence and be able to hit the ground running and fit that style. Otherwise, essentially the same 11 players going again for the three and a half year in a row to full seat, well, third year in a row, uh, complete year, you know, that sort of group came together to keep us up. And then we played two full seasons with very much the same sort of set of people, roughly. And I don't think you oh, saw the, the impact of it so much last season, but we're paying the price for now. We're paying the price for two to three core transfer windows. Because, yeah. you know, although we're signing players now, it's too late because that you're bringing too many in and they're having to, you know, um, uh, acclimatise to the Premier League uh, quickly. Whereas if we'd bought two or three players in each of the previous transfer windows, I know it's easy to say, but, um, you know, we could have evolved the squad a little better um, to, to be better equipped to start this season. I think that's absolutely right. But I would also say that I, I think that it probably wasn't without trying and I think Moyes is probably keenly aware of that I mean I think what 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 they've been trying to do I think is uh evolve the team not just simply sort of uh um running keep running to stand still I think they're trying to evolve the team into a team that 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 is more comfortable in possession that keeps the ball a bit more uh effectively plays out more effectively through the press um and and the signings do seem to suggest that that's that's what you know um, the long term plan is 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 going to be. But I think you're right; they they, they missed out badly in January. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think you know the, the league form over a period of time, um, if the second half of last season into the beginning of the season is is perhaps not quite relegation form, but it's certainly bottom half of the table form, isn't it? It's not. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not where we were. And it might take a little bit of time and we might have to be a bit patient for it all to kind of gel and, and for and for the Moise to turn it around. But I think he's got credit in the bank. And, I, you know, I think yeah. it's way too soon to start, you know, kind of kind of panicking and, and, and starting to, you know, chunter about the manager, really. I, I, no. I think, you know, you know. I mean, I think, I think in time. those previous transfer windows as well, it, it, it you, you know, obviously... It's quite easy to go. We haven't got anyone in. That's really annoying. And 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 obviously Moyes is is uh, very much opposed to the notion of just getting bodies in for cover. You know, because um, uh, that's how you end up with uh, you know Sanchez. Uh, and you know, just to get someone to fill that position is not really a kind of valid way forward. Um, and also, similarly, you see business that you think, would we want that guy? Would we want that player? I don't know. You know, the um, you know Erdegaard at Arsenal was a sort of uh, was a fantastic sort of piece of business loan then by, but he came from didn't he come from Barcelona or something? And who knows what his wages are? You know, you. You, there are often complaints about West Ham not meeting a valuation that a sort of um, that a club has set, which it seems that another team might be able to meet. But you don't know what they might want to pay this, what they want to be paid every week, you know, uh, uh, because that's you know that's the huge hidden and very important uh, 
financial sort of figure that, that's going to change minds and bring people to clubs. And, you know, also clubs have pay ceilings, don't they, in place that, that they don't want to break, you know. Also, it can it can upset. It's something that I've always said about this Moyes setup is that he brings together players that, that create a good atmosphere and have a good team ethic. Um, yeah. And they all they all appear to get on very well. And if you start bringing in too many players on too much money, that can upset that that can upset the the politics of the uh, of the dressing room as well. So yeah, you know, there's talk of you know saying, oh, just pay Lingard whatever he wants. Um, surely, if you're getting him on a free, it doesn't really matter. It does matter because every week he's raking in fifty grand more than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to put yeah. noses out of joint. Definitely. Uh, but the, the city game was um, was just so the same the same same old faces rushed out onto the pitch and it was I think very disappointing wasn't it it was boring uh, we really really didn't offer much you know the fact that we only conceded two compared to sort of some of those seasons I think under Pellegrini we they beat us five didn't they at the beginning yeah. of the season. Um, uh, you know, might be. I think that, in a sense, almost flatters us. It felt. I felt that we really, really, just, you know, to use an old adage, kind of didn't turn up in that game. I thought uh, no one really covered themselves with any credit. Zuma was sort of all right. Um, Rice showed a little something in the second half, but he was disappointing. I thought um, and. Pablo Fornells looked like a little bit of a sort of fan fiction version of Pablo Fornells uh, from previous seasons. He sort of, he always shows endeavour and runs around. Uh, and that was, in a way, the best you could, you know, the, the best praise you could heap on him that day was at least he ran around and tried a bit. I thought we were, I thought we were just very, very insipid in that game. And it was the thing that worried me. The thing that worried me about that game was we looked tired. Yeah. Um, And it was the first game of the season. I know it was hot, but, um, you know, a feature of the, um, again, Moyes teams has been the effort that that, that the teams always, they always put in a shift. And if they lose, it's only by one goal. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this was, they just, it was only a few months before that they'd, you know, they'd been 2-0 up and were unlucky not to beat Man City. And yeah. Man City, who needed points to win the title. Yes. Um, and they just didn't look, they didn't look up for it at all, which was a big concern. But I think, I think things have improved a bit since then. And, I, and I, I, I'm certainly not worried. I think that... No. No, no. And uh, to wit, the, the improvement, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that after this break. Welcome back. Well, the following fixture, Jim, you went to. You went to see us away. I did, yeah. Forest. Uh, yeah. And uh, what was that like? Um, it was good. I mean, I know obviously the result wasn't wasn't great, but as an away day, it was uh, it was really really good. Um, met lots more of the Northern Hammers contingent than than uh, I'd previously met, and um, a good place to drink and 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 a good atmosphere in the ground. A nice walk to the ground by the by the river. Um, 
and you know we knew as really, I, I went with um, Gary Killington, um, a friend of this podcast, mm-hmm. and we'd said I said uh, you know we'd agreed. Look, the first quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, they're just going to be carried on a wave of of passion and emotion, and it was you know that was exactly how it was. They came out of the blocks. It was you know, but we weathered that and. Um, should have gone ahead. I think it was uh, wrongly disallowed, and it was the wrong use of VAR, the the, um, the Ben Rama goal. Um, the Antonio shoulder charge. Well, it was. You've often said, for we. I mean, and I haven't always agreed with you about it, but we, you've often said that you know sometimes in a football match, two players come together. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Bash, they bash into each other, and it's not clear whether one has blocked the other or whether Absolutely. it's completely accidental or whatever. And they quite often sort of fend each other off. And and um, I felt that in the end, you know, the referee had let that seen it and had let it go. Um, it wasn't really directly affecting, you know, the, the final pass and the finish for the, yeah. for the goal. Um, uh, there was no need for the, for, for the VAR to intervene because there wasn't a clear and obvious error and there was no incident that might have led to a record. So as I understand the rules of VAR, it, it should have just been allowed, allowed to go. Um, and then when the referee saw it, he should have, he should have said, no, no, my decision was fine. Those two people have just basically bumped into it. It looks as though Antonio is at fault because he kind of pushes out at, at the end of the coming together and the forest guy, sorry, I can't remember his name, uh, falls over. Yeah. Um, if I, you know, but that 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 isn't that doesn't because because he's fallen over. That doesn't make it a foul. And if you there was oh. one angle that makes it clear that actually the forest guy was trying to block Antonio as much as Antonio was trying to block him because yeah, he was worried yeah. about Antonio running through to receive a return pass. So that should have stood, and I think we would have won the game comfortably if we if that, gone yes, yeah, one nil up. And then they scored a bit of a kind of jammy goal. It just kind of, you know, Johnson stuck a foot out and it just bounced off the bloke's knee. It was a soft goal from our point of view, but it was also a sort of slightly chatty, streaky goal from their point of view. And then in the second half, we we dominated. You know, we didn't quite batter them as such, but, you know, we should have scored. We hit the underside of the crossbar twice. We created, we missed the penalty that... Yeah, uh, we should have scored. You know, we've only got ourselves to blame for that. But on another day, that would have been a very comfortable win. I think we were as dominant in that game for much of it as we were this evening. I thought. Yeah, yeah, yes, um, and a very good performance from Ben Rama in that game. Absolutely, yeah, man was, of the match he, performance. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, um, I think you know, so often the case. Predictably, I, I did watch the match of the day highlights and. You knew that, that obviously there was going to be a narrative about Forrest and whatever and that, but they they they've picked out their um, the Nico Nico Williams as as being as and he was good in an attacking sense for them. But Ben Ramo had him on toast all afternoon. He made his life mm. an absolute misery. It reminds me of that of the game years ago. Some of you might remember when we beat Spurs at home and Sinclair scored twice, but was at, and and was sort of man of the match but was totally given the runaround by David Ginola. I don't know if you remember, yeah, remember that. Yeah. Um, uh, it was, yeah, so it was a kind of weird one, really, because actually he was a real defensive weakness for them, Williams. And we, we uh, Ben Rama capitalised on it, you know, went past him like, like he wasn't there, but again and again and again. Um, um, match yeah. of the day's pundits are just 
Dreadful it. buffoons, though, aren't they? They are just a shower. Rubbish. I mean, they've got they've got some new sort of far, you know likable ones now. Like Michael Richards is great. It's always great to see Righty for all sorts of reasons. And yeah, also Righty was an absolutely fantastic striker who was unlucky not to be England's first choice striker for about five years but unfortunately had injuries regularly and and Shearer came through talking of which Shearer is fucking awful and just doesn't get any better does he I mean you know the days have gone when um they drew they draw on the screen with a pen they don't really do that anymore but he just used to essentially say uh now your central defender's here and he's got to be there He's got to be there. And you're like, what, what do you mean? In the way of the ball so that the striker doesn't score. Just going, he wasn't, though, Alan. He wasn't there. He was there before you drew that arrow to where you're going. That's where he should be. Anyone could do that. Anyone could say, it's, this it's player not- is here and he should be here. Match of the day's got a kind of serious dose of the sort of on-the-sofa type television, the one show, we're all a jolly, yeah. friendly family and I, and I agree with you a lot of them are cheerful chuckly characters um uh but the Mike, level Mike of analysis takes it to an extreme though doesn't it Mike he does a bit and, to an extreme. yes uh and <laughs> the lack of is staggering um sky i mean you know they're they're, they're less likable personalities but they have better tactical um insight and they properly argue with one another as well. They have a debate. They have a kind of yeah. heated discussion. They don't kind of trip over each other to kind of agree with one another in that kind of terribly BBC consensual sort of way. Um, and it makes for much, much better punditry, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we've only played three games out of a you know, 38-game season, so absolutely we're not hitting the panic button. But when you've sort of uh, your nil point and nil goals after three games, yeah, it's, tough. it's yeah. a little bit galling and it's, it's you know, you're yeah. playing catch-up. If that second game had gone the way it really should have gone and we were very unlucky for it not to be that case, if either that disallowed goal, and I completely agree about Antonio. I mean, Antonio is running to get into a good position. And... Actually, I often think that that you know a defender essentially just not getting out of the way or being able to get out of the way when an attacking player runs into them. Um, often it is the attacking player that's that's punished in that respect, you know. Yeah. But similarly, the defender um, that can't get out of the way also it's often not their fault. What yeah. has happened is two players have bumped into each other Absolutely. and no one yeah. should be to blame. In which no. case, whether it's in the area or in the rest of the pitch, play should just carry on. I mean, if, if it had been the case that the defender very evidently could have got in a tackle on Rice or got to intercept the pass from Rice to Ben Rama or yeah. got close enough to block, that then you would have got better whisper very clear that 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 he wouldn't have been able to do that um so uh, you know it seemed very very quirky use of var and it just seems seems to be now that there's just there's no i don't know why they bother asking the referee to go and look at it um because i've not seen one situation where the referee's gone to the screen and said no that's all right no problem I'm no, that's that. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking time, to my original. Return the decision. So why don't VAR just say in their ear, you've got to give a pen there, or you've got to 
I, I agree. I don't see that. I think the whole going to the screen thing is a, is a, is a farce. Um, I yeah. think I, I think what they what they get right in um, uh, in rugby, although you know, again, fans complain about how much that holds up the game, is that the referee on the pitch is in charge, as it were, of getting the information from the VAR and kind of not the other way around. So uh, you'll know, very often say, well, yeah, I'm happy that it's a try, but I just want you to check whether or not that was a forward pass in the build-up or whether that yeah. blow tackled him too late. Um, and then, then the VR's got a specific thing that they're looking at and they can say yes or no. And not some kind of, you know, shall I intervene, shan't Because there are a lot of times when you think, well, hang on a minute, the VAR should... You know, where, where do you draw a line about what the VAR gets involved, gets involved in? Because, for example... You know, goals get scored, don't they, when corners are wrongly given or... Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And they never intervene. That would have been, you know... No. Uh, you, so you think, well, that that's still unfair. That still led to a goal that shouldn't happen if the laws of the game were properly applied. And you can very clearly see that. Yeah, the yeah. It's not a matter of interpretation of, of two bodies coming together on the field. So, well, uh, uh, you know, last season... Um, they, they, you know, they, they tinkered a bit and relaxed a few uh, things from the previous season that VAR had sort of um, made part of its um, uh, protocols. Uh, but they seem to have reversed that. There was a, there was a, something on Match of the Day where, where there was a very good, you thought, springing of the offside trap and the player was kind of level, but no VAR said that the thickness of his badge was over the... And I thought we were stopping doing that. There was a sort of yeah. feeling that we weren't going to do that anymore, but they they were just back to doing it again. <coughs> They've got their fucking toys and they're at that fucking, you know, park that they're all at, the name of which I've forgotten now. And um, they just can't resist. They just can't resist interfering. It's the kind of, it's that sort of, you know, um, it's that sort of egotistical referee. involved, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like the... It's like the sort of virtual equivalent of what happened in real life with Mike Dean on the pitch, and now Mike Dean is there, uh, <laughs> even yeah. more Mike yeah. Dean-like. Right. You know. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right because you know it was it it wasn't a clear and obvious error, the sort of Antonio incident. It was the referee's opinion that that yes. hadn't interfered with play. It wasn't a body check. So it, yes. it, so I know that in a sense, everything is the referee's opinion. And at Stockley Park, I remember the name, they're sort of saying, we disagree with your opinion, but they're saying it because they're going, no, you missed something that we saw. Mm. To go, you, the referee, have made a decision we disagree with it. Yeah, it's fucking insane. Yeah, it's like yeah, you might as well not bother with an on-field on referee. Yeah, it's a systemic, yeah. it's a systemic from... problem, definitely. Yeah. yeah, with it. Yeah, and they haven't quite got that right. I am quite glad that occasionally the, the sort of when it's clear the flag's going straight up for offside. That's very refreshing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Still not good, in that, some cases. Good change. Well, I think it's it's cases where it, it it's not it's tight. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, but when it's clear cut, you know, yeah, good. Get the assistant referees to be ballsy and make decisions and commit to them. Yeah, absolutely. Feels, 
yeah, yeah. the game going a bit bit more quickly. Um, well, it's, you know, I mean, the solution to this problem is to return the power to the on-pitch referees, but get better referees, um, like, like we had in the Euros. Do, yeah, they do need to do something, don't they, about... I think this season, is this is an issue that's really going to come to the boil, I think. They need to do something about time-wasting shithousery. The oh, shithousery from Forrest in that game was just uh, disgraceful really it's just beyond the power and man united i don't know if you saw that game against liverpool no. they, they were they were oh god you know players going down with cramp um you know that's the yeah. latest thing to do isn't it Is i tell you what uh, it's depressing and dispiriting that a lot of the kind of exciting young new managers are kings of fucking shithousery yeah. yes eddie yeah. howe uh, yeah. Mikel Arteta, yeah. Stephen yeah. Gerrard, yeah. uh, Potters. They, I mean, they seem to sort of forget once they, I think once they realised that, that they were on top, Brighton kind of stopped their shithousery because they certainly, uh, and we'll come on to Cresswell, uh, but Cresswell, you know, gave away a couple of fouls uh, from their attacking right-sided player because of his lack of mobility. And I think yeah. Cresswell is now starting to be a little bit of a liability. The penalty he gave away in Europe, you know, I mean, uh, and ascending off. Um, but also the guy just really played for it. I think the guy really played for it. I think Potter had said, you know, uh, their left back is quite slow. If he gets anywhere near you, roll around because you'll be near the penalty area it'll be an attacking run and we'll get a free kick you know i think people are i mean he, he is you know yeah he's 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 got a lack of pace on the on the turn he's always had some slight defensive deficiencies cresswell they're 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 they're, they're being thrown more intensely into it. hopefully this emerson guy is is i've not really seen much of him hopefully yeah. he's he's decent and at least a bit pacier um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you assume he must be decent looking at his CV and the fact he plays for Italy. Um, so you'd hope you'd hope that he's he's going to step in and step up as the number one left back. Yes, but, you know, I mean Chelsea well, are of course a sort of massive repository of footballers, both there yeah. and away on loan. But the fact that they've got that um, uh, La Cucuraca guy from uh, uh, from Brighton. Uh, when they'd only got Chilwell a couple of years ago, I sort of thought to myself, oh, shit, we should get Chilwell if they're going to get this Brighton guy. But obviously they want two. And it did make me think, oh, I wonder who their third place guy was. And that probably was Marcus Alonso, wasn't it? But he's gone now, I think. Has he yeah, gone? I think so. Um, so you sort of thought, well, he must still be good, their third choice left back, because they only got Chilwell a couple of years ago and they've just got another one. So the ones they already had, must you must be able to go quite deep and still have them be good. But, um, I mean, before we get, you know, to talk to the Bright about the Brighton game in more detail, um, and in a way we started in talking about Cresswell and the sort of disappointing performance against City, um, I, you know, I for one think our two England internationals have really not looked at it this season. I thought Bowen and Rice haven't looked very strong. Par, definitely, yeah. Um, Rice was, I mean, everyone, you know, everyone was pretty poor against Brighton, you know. Uh, I mean, it was, again, you know, it, it was it was a pen that broke broke the 
ice and uh, and then you know they scored another um it could have easily if if that pen hadn't been given away i think it's possible we could have still come out of that game with something but we were still pretty insipid and so many players are not looking as good as they were i don't think Soufal looks as good um you know, Rice and Bowen. Sufal's been on the on the decline for a little while, though, hasn't he? He's, I think he's he's running out of stuff. I don't know how old he is. Is he over thirty? Isn't he? No, I don't think, I'm not sure he is. No. Around about thirty, probably. Yeah, twenty nine. Yeah, even so, yeah, young enough not to not to be running out of steam yet. Um, well, he had the operation, yeah. didn't he? But um, I don't. It, I, it, I, it's a, it's a, it's an intensive attritional position fallback, isn't it, in the modern game? You mm. you know there are you have to be among the the fittest of, of the players in a team, don't you, to to play that effectively, getting up and down that like he does. Um, yeah, he's definitely lost a bit of kind of zip and a bit of energy. Um, uh, I would say, and and clearly also once that little bit of pace goes, it it, it alters the way you have to defend, doesn't it? And and yeah. puts puts uh, it you know it puts doubts in your mind. It means you means you drop off players. You don't get quite so tight to play. Do you remember that first time he came up against Grealish and didn't give him a yeah. kick in that? Um, and he was just kind of and Grealish had no answer to it at all, did he? Because he was just no. right up him. You know, every time he got the ball, he was right on him. I just don't think he can play at that sustained intensity now too no. uh, far. And I think that yeah, I think that is a that is, that is a problem. Um, it's been a problem that, that has been more apparent sooner with Cresswell. You know, it's like uh, you know, Sufal's a little bit further behind, still a little bit more effective, I think. So uh, there's no doubt opposition teams you know target our left hand side now um, uh, for their attacks, um, and a lot of goals over the last you know, year or so have come have come from that direction. Very early on, almost the first thing that happened in the game today was uh, um, their wide right guy just knocked it past Cresswell and ran past him and created a chance. You know, that almost, right. you know, two minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like, a, you know, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're kind of, you know, if, 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 if V-Borg are doing that to you, then yeah. you do problem at, at the high level but I agree with you I think we've I agree with Suchek has looked a little bit leggy um, uh, and I agree I definitely think um, Bowen and Rice have not been at their at their best um, and I think uh, I, I don't know yeah. some was it you someone sort of said you know is Lanzini now sort of offering kind of everything he did I think when he came back and you know was able to kind of run about and you know sort of you know, look look like a passable uh, facsimile of a footballer. We were so delighted to see him back, and he is—he's got skill and is dexterous. But you're sort of thinking, can we do better now? Can we? Is there? You know, can we? Well, do I mean, obviously they are thinking that because they're looking to try and spend the best part of fifty million quid on Paqueta. So yeah, um, and that does seem increasingly, from from what I'm reading and rumours and whatever, increasingly likely to actually happen. Um, yeah. In which case, you, you you know that is a big step up, really, in that position. Um, I think Lanzini is still a, a useful member of the team because he's technically a very good footballer. But yeah, I think the more intense, uh, frenetic um, uh, Premier League games passing by a bit of now. He doesn't have the physical presence, does he? That that 
um, no. that's needed for for that kind of that kind of role. And uh, even when he plays deep, you know, he played in a deeper role, didn't he, in a couple of away games last season, and and was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's going to be a position that he can look at long term yeah. in the in the current team. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine today. You know, he ran the midfield today. Yeah. You know, but then again, you know, that, that look at the opposition, and and you know, I'm sure he'll he'll get games in the league cup and. Yeah. against some some opposite but you know it, it, and and uh you know he is an option to cut to, to, to bring on if you you know if you um if you need some somebody to sort of pick a pass you know later on in the yeah, game yeah yeah absolutely the game has slowed down a bit yeah, he, you know, he always plays with a fast tempo, you know, but he does, um, I mean, he literally has little legs. So when he looks like he's really sprinting around very quickly, he's not actually moving that fast in the scheme of things because he's only got little legs. Um, ben Rama was, uh, I know uh, neither of you guys saw the Brighton game, Ben Rama was, um, I just thought, slumped back to old Ben Rama right. again. His, his cameo against Nottingham Forest Um you know, was just sort of forgotten after his kind of very insipid performance against uh, Brighton, where he just looked like exactly the same Saeed Ben Rama that we saw previous seasons. So, mm. you know, does some good things, but on the whole, you know, doesn't really do anything impactful or game-changing. No, um, because his substitute appearance in the home game against Speedball was was also impressive, wasn't yes, it? Yes, Be- yes. Beating right. that man and tucking the ball back for Antonio's goal, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, talking of players not at it, Antonio has really yeah, struggled another one, season, yeah. isn't he? He just yeah, really yeah. seems to he seems to have bulked up again. Um, yeah, and has lost that 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 pace that was so key to his game. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I worry about him. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I can see there are rumours that they're also still trying to get Royer in on loan. Um, and and I can see the logic of that. I, th- I think um, you know I, I'm not I'm I'm not sure how much dear old Mikhail has got left in him. To be honest, no, no. I mean, you know, you look at Sam Maximam and uh, Triore, uh, who are strong and fast, and I just don't see. I don't really see that burst of pace from Antonio anymore. I mean, he has been deployed as a kind of, you know, number nine in the last couple of years. So he hasn't sort of had that opportunity to run from deep. Um, He's all, you know, when he picks the ball up, he's already thinking of, you know, trying to cross or make something happen himself. So he's not really thinking of uh, trying to sort of cause mayhem by just running at them, you know, Um, which is something he used to do a little bit more, you know, he had some magnificent moments last season. Yeah, he started yeah. You know, started scoring for fun. Um, his performance in that away leg at Leon will live long. Yeah, yeah. It was just a titan. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, and I'm sure actually there will be occasions where he can pull it out of the bag. Do you know what I mean? But I, I think the idea that we, we I don't think we, Skamak has got to step up. Um, uh, and I think we do need another strike. I think you need three because... Um, if Skamaka gets gets injured, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, no fault of his own, then you know, and you're you're back to having just Antonio, and we we you know, I think the fact we've only just had Antonio has been a bit of a factor in that in that decline in form, you know, post Christmas that we talked yeah. about, yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
I mean, one thing we said while uh, we were watching the first the home leg against Viborg was that the, the team may have to adapt a bit to play to Skamaka's strengths rather than say, we want you to be Mikhail Antonio. You know, it's got to be a bit. It's got to be a bit chicken and egg. There, it's got to be fifty-fifty. That hasn't it? He's he's got to adapt. We've got to learn to to play to his strengths. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, he's he yeah. he's not. I mean, I think you know, hold up, hold up, man is quite a sort of particular talent, and you have to be, you know, have been doing that since possibly a sort of fairly young age. I think you know, um, uh, you know, just being a kind of old-fashioned one up top I'll, I'll keep my back to goal and b- bring players in is not really you know sort of uh I'm not sure that's really our quite our counter-attacking no. style you know yeah. no I agree been, and it's clear that his instincts it was very apparent tonight a lot, a lot of the time his instinct is to want to come deeper into that little pocket of space that he's like um He's quite Sheringham-like, you know. He's he's yeah. quite he's more that kind of um, he, he wants to come to and and then that you know hopefully kind of pulls the, the central defender doesn't know whether to follow him or stand yeah. off him and hopefully that creates starts to create space. But if he just stands up against a big central defender, although he's six foot five, I don't think he's he's not that kind of roughhouse centre no. forward who's going no. to shake off. You know, he's he's just a little bit more of a canny footballer. Than that, and I think, yeah, I noticed in the first leg uh, against Fireborg, he hit a couple of 40 yard passes as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Glenn Hoddle in his there. prime would have been proud of those. Yes. I mean, yeah, um, he's got he's got um, more to you know, he's got a lot more to offer than just um, just striking. Um, and, and I think Jim's right, I think that he does, he is reminiscent of sharing him in that role. I think he does come deep, get the ball, and he'll. He'll arrive late in the box, hopefully. Um, and I think he really should start on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Oh, Cor- Cor- uh, Corne, by the way, really encouraging performance this evening. I thought he's starting to, you know, um, he, he missed the sitter, but but also created a lot uh, as well. And um, I'm, I, I'm, I think the prospect of Skamaka with Bowen and Corne increasingly being the kind of that that, that kind of um, attacking. Trio, I, I, I think they're going to knit together. They've, they've got the they're all good players, and I think they've yeah. got the potential once they get on each other's wavelengths properly to to be really uh, really quite effective. Um, yeah, we had a good look at, at Cornet against uh, Viborg in that first leg, and I sort of yeah. thought he didn't seem again. He didn't seem sort of possessed of sort of blistering pace, but he's quick with the ball at his feet. You yeah. know. He's 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 nippy, hard to shake off. You know, likes to take. Seemed to you know in that cross for Skamaka's goal, he was um, you know trying to turn their uh, right back inside out a little bit and got over a very good cross. And he just seems like um, you know good competition for you know some of the other forward players and perhaps you know, does bring something that the others might not have. You know, Bowen isn't super quick, but again, he is quite good with the ball at his feet. He moves quickly with the ball at his feet and, you know, is very direct, sort of low centre of gravity. Um, and, uh, yeah, Corne just, you know, feels like he might just, you know, freshen things up, be a kind of, uh, you know, someone that's going to, uh, like Lingard, 
someone will have to make way for Cornet if Cornet is playing well. And if that improves the team, that's a good thing. You know, yeah. um, uh, someone we haven't talked about is uh, Kera. Uh, yeah. We saw, first of all, again, in that uh, the European uh, game and looked um, very comfortable. He looked great when he came on that first game, that home yeah. game. He really did. Suddenly just, you know, getting on the ball and spraying forward passes around a lot. Clearly, I think, been brought in along with Agred to, to make us more effective at playing out from the back, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, and he looks like he did it, but you're not. He's not Craig Dawson, so there are. There, there, he's gonna. He's gonna have uh, a bit of a time, I think, adjusting to the physicality of of, of the league, because um, uh, he's not. He's not a roughhouse centre no. half. Is he? He's a no. quite a cultured uh, ball playing centre half. Um, yeah, he was sort of a bit unlucky with that penalty. I thought that he gave away. I mean, you know, uh, he got short, didn't he? Sorry. He got- he got sold shot. I mean, Zuma was stranded upfield and left. Well, Zuma, yeah, Zuma just yeah. gave the ball away in yeah. a really crucial position. And Zuma failed to make a very simple two-yard pass, and suddenly, yeah. the you know the turnover was uh, very rapid. But it he very nearly puts in a very good tackle, uh, Kara. He just doesn't quite connect with the ball, but yeah. he very nearly does. He's you know he's going to try and nick the ball from behind and just doesn't get there. And then the guy goes over his legs and there's nothing he can do about that. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, he didn't scythe him to the ground. It was a sort of an honest attempt to kind of win a tackle against someone who's moving away at a fair, fair lick. Uh, but yeah, he looks good. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, we might ultimately, yes, yeah, sort, of, sort of, he might need a sort of bodyguard, which would probably be, I suppose, Zuma. But then, you know, he might be looking at Aguerd and um, uh, Carrere as his sort of central defensive pairing. Or he might be looking more consistently to play three, you know. Yeah. Uh, difficult to know, really. Um, we certainly played with a sort of three this evening. Yeah. Uh, it was a kind of slightly lopsided three with Johnson very pushed on and then Fornau sort of playing left wing back. But... Um, you know, um, being a bit deeper a lot of the time. Um, it was, yeah. Um, and as you say, Cresswell, it, it, it minimises Cresswell's obvious lack of lack of pace, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Cresswell's looked very good at the left side of a back three. Um, it was uh, poor, though, Brighton. The Brighton performance was, you know, again, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't utterly wretched. We were just sort of, we were just, you know, taking part in the game and were beaten. Uh, and it's just, again, you know, a lack of goals in the game, um, you know, was very disappointing. We didn't, you know, Antonio just didn't really look like he was ever going to put the ball in the net. Uh, you know, it was a disappointing, it was a very disappointing performance. You know they're they're very organised, very good, Brian. But well, yeah, we we can't get past them, can we? It's as simple as that. Um, but it's a feature of this season. I mean, I think you know at the top of the table, um, you know the, the the you know the top five looks almost sorted for for me. It's you know you just think Spurs and Arsenal have strengthened and spent so much money. Uh, and they appear, both of them, to have kind of spent wisely and look like they're 
going somewhere. Obviously, Conte is a good manager as long as he's given lots and lots of money and footballers. But it looks like he has, you know. But uh, we're looking at it's looking as though we're going to spend comparable, if not more, uh, amounts of money. Yeah. But we had a very thin squad. I mean, we have to, you know, we are we are sort of spending. So at the top, I think, I mean, for me, it just looks like, I think, you know, uh, City, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs are probably going to be the top five. Uh, but also, you know, a lot of these, a lot of teams are sort of looking, you know, good. Brighton yeah. always look good. Um, you know, Newcastle they're sort of, going to be competitive this year. Yeah, they are. Very competitive. They've spent Wolves a lot. always are. Yeah, um, there are a few that are a little bit fearless though. They're on the slippy slide with <laughs> with us, uh, yeah. Southampton, Leicester, um, yeah. and we. I mean, on Sunday we're playing the f- uh, for the first time we're playing a team that has also not started the season particularly well. Yeah, in yeah. Villa. So that you know it, it, they've got to see that as an object. We have to get something out of it. It's one of those games where you simply must not lose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm talking which, but I suppose we should. Um... We should talk a little bit about that fixture. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Rob, you were saying you thought Skamaka should start that game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see that there's any option, really. Um, I know Moyes is reluctant to change things, but it has to change at some point. And, yeah, um, he's got after to Yeah, he's started two games. He's scored both. I know the opposition is different, but he's yeah. scored in both the games he started. Um, he's got to be given a chance. You know, can't keep feed. you know, just bring him on and hope he's going to do something for, for a quarter of an hour. Um, he needs to be given the opportunity to start. And, and Antonio other, might have to learn to be the income side. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, I think Antonio has more um, potential to be an impact sub than Scamacha does. Um, yeah. Scamacha is more of a more of your starting starting type player. Oh, I, I think say. so. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think, yeah, these new guys, they've got to be given given uh, given their run. I mean, Kone's, you know, got, got to, got to be, be able to start. I think he's, you know, better than anything else we have to start on that left-hand side. I mean, I liked uh, the look of that lineup tonight with a, a sort of five at the back, a playmaker and two up front. Uh, that's how, that was what the BBC's diagram of it showed. It's quite often those are sort of slightly inaccurate, but it, yeah. it sort of looked a bit like uh, the old fashioned, you know, someone in a number 10 role, wing backs, two up front. In, in this case, Corne and uh, Skamaka with uh, um, uh, Ben Rama behind them. Yeah, that's that's what well, that's it. That's what it was, really. Yeah. Lanzini played deep alongside um Suchek. Um yeah, that was very much what it was, really. Yeah, I like I mean I like the look of that. It looked without you know, with, with the, the available players we have, it sort of seems that that's you know uh, not a bad shout. You know, we don't have any sort of dedicated uh wing backs who do tend to have to be pacey, Trevor Sinclair. Um uh, but at least that shape, um, you know, creates a playmaker role in the middle and just puts, you know, to you know, a, a sort of potential strike partnership up front. Yeah, yeah, and you've got Fornals and uh, Cornet could play left wing back, I think. Yeah, uh, you know, so uh, you know, there's there, yeah, I mean, definitely, but you, you know, the. the Possibilities of kind of tactical rearrangement and so on have, have, have definitely increased with these with these signings. So we need to perhaps start seeing that a bit more. I was very glad to see. Um, 
I was very glad to see Suchek's sort of chatty goal uh, this um, uh, this evening because he has been, uh, you know, like I say, I don't think anyone's really covering themselves in any glory in, in uh, certainly the three uh, domestic games we've played this season. But he's really been scapegoated since this sort of rumoured training ground bust yeah. of David Moyes. And there was a sort of news story that, was one of those things that doesn't appear to be directly quoting David Moyes, but sort of said, you know, no one is safe. Uh, you know, a lot of players are being playing under power. We're going to, you know, we're bringing new people in. People might, you know, lose their positions in the team. And the new story was very much geared to Thomas Suchek. Yeah. As yeah, one of those course. people. And it's like a, a sort of... Uh, you know, I sort of feel he's been okay. You know, he hasn't well, been any worse than anybody else because partly his central midfield partner hasn't been very good either. And that's sort of, you know, that's reflected. I feel like Suchek and Suchek has always looked knackered from minute one of a football match ever since he arrived. That's just his natural sort of... Um, demeanour, but he does keep going for 90 minutes and actually does sort of pop up quite late on with winners sometimes, you know. Um, but he's been covering a lot of ground in the games. I don't, you know. Well, he's, he's, I think he's played just about every minute, hasn't he? I mean, he yeah. starts and finishes just about every game. Yeah. Um, and he got an assist and a goal tonight, you know, so uh, that's, not, that's not a bad return so far. So, no, I, I just felt... Particularly in that City game, he he looked as though he still wasn't, you know, up 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 to speed. It looked it looked for him like he was still struggling pre-season, you know. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I take your point about the fact. Yeah, he's got that kind of gangly, long-distance runner who looks knackered but can still sprint the final two hundred meters. Quality yeah. about him, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um... But I certainly feel he's sort of slightly being, you know, he's the kind of lightning rod for this notion that, you know, um, you know, the whole team is underperforming us, you know, regardless of whether in, in individuals are. So, um, so yes, we, we would certainly like to see some of our new boys play uh, at the Villa on Sunday. Jim, you and I are going to that. Yes. Uh, yep. Looking forward to it very much. Um, so I suppose it's uh, predictions. Oh, uh, and like I say, I just, I just, they cannot lose this. Um, they, have, they, they, they've had a sort of slightly tricky, tricky start, and they're not, they're not fine. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for a two-one win. I think, I think we're going to, we're going to actually get a bit of a break. Uh, things might start to go our way. I think it's going to be the turnaround game, two-one. Good, Rob. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd rip your arm off for a point right now, just to just to get the ball rolling. But um, I think if if he does um, go adventurous, I think Villa are there for the taking. I think it could be three one. Three one. Oh, oh dear. Uh, well, that lives. Okay. Well, I, I I'm going to take a one nil to us. Nil one. 
Nil one uh, will be my prediction. Incidentally, I feel I, I, I should mention, because I watched a couple more today, um, Rob's excellent. Rob has always been a, a big uh, poster of um, uh, cut down end of season compilations uh, on YouTube, but recently has uh, created a new sort of YouTube series, uh, West Ham United, the John Lyle years. Uh, each uh, episode of it is about 12, 14 minutes long, uh, takes a chunk. It moves chronologically from 1974-5 when uh, Lyle arrived and we'll head towards 1989. Um, and it's a bit like uh, Rob, like the rock and roll years. There was a TV series, probably 90s, wasn't it? That yeah. Rock and roll years? Yeah. Using sort of current music. Uh, Music's um, really good. I really yeah, music's music. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, funny because the... Um, the um, putting together all the, the videos and the and the news stories and the newspaper cuttings and all that kind of stuff is one thing. And you watch it through and you think, yeah, that's looking all right. But you add that soundtrack to it and the whole thing just comes alive and it's yeah. uh, it's really yeah. good fun. It's really good fun to watch it come to life like that or to hear it come to life like that. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, it's uh, I started dipping into it and sort of looking at episodes randomly, but then I thought, no, this is no good. And I have to, yeah, I've gone back to the beginning and watching yeah. it because uh, I found myself going, when did he arrive? What season did he arrive? You know, and if I jumped around in time, uh, I'm, I'm having to watch the episode before the episode I'm watching to go, God, did he, did he arrive at the beginning of that season or in the middle you know and, and have to keep backtracking so I sort of stop back so I'm actually watching quite a few that I've already watched again uh, from the beginning but um, yeah no it's great I watched about three today uh, yeah, it's a little bit of, just started as a little bit of fun I didn't realize I didn't really think it would continue the way it has we're now I'm now we're publishing I'm publishing on Saturday the 1980 semi-final uh, episode covering the 1980 semi-final and replay. Um, so I've already done what six years. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm currently working on. I'm about a season in advance on you know the ones I'm working on to the ones that get published. I'm working on the uh, the League Cup semi-final against Coventry at the moment. That uh, that kind of uh, yeah period. And it's all you know. It's brilliant. It's it's great for me to because I classify myself as a archivist stroke historian for the club and um i'm learning stuff that i never knew um, just because i'm going through it with such a fine tooth comb yeah 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 no it's great it's great they're uh, really good it's been good going over the muddy years with <laughs> socks rolled down uh, yeah. there, there's a player that uh, because he's covered in mud and has long straggling hair and his socks are rolled down he looks tired from set minute two of the game but keeps running for the whole match but um, yeah no, Pat Holland and Jeff uh, and Graham Padden and Frank Lampard they really did look like a kind of rock band I've said it before it's like pictures of them in the papers when I was sort of young sort of you know cemented uh, my fanship of West Ham because I just thought <laughs> I had this weird, long-haired sort of bunch of outlaws. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, we'd probably better wrap this up. Uh, and We've got our predictions out for the Villa game at the weekend. Um, with me this week on Stop Hammer Time have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Rob Banks. Good night. I've been Phil Whelans. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, 
Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.